1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, the royal role himself, Mr. Ethan Sachs, aka Lord
0: Tupperware. How's it going, my friend? It's going very well, Ben. You and I are both recording from new spaces today.
1: We are. I am in my new dimly lit office. This does not have a ceiling light yet. I have a a floor lamp on order from
0: Amazon.com, hashtag ad. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Bezos, for sending that out. Um, and I am recording from my childhood home in New Jersey. I was really hoping to get a peek into the bedroom of Ethan Sachs, but this looks like some sort of awesome uh, office area. Yeah, this is my mom's office. Uh, well, I, I don't know what to tell you. Even if I was recording from my bedroom, there's not a a scrap of a remnant of anything <laughs> from <laughs> my childhood parents, like, tore down your room and turn it into something else immediately. <laughs> yeah. They were like this, get this stuff out of here. Um, I'm a little disappointed, I have to say, Ben. So, you know, we finished early access or I guess now it's called the, the streamer event or something, um, on Thursday had got, got a chance to do about half a dozen drafts of wilds of Eldraine, took a shot at some show notes and then sent them off to you and, and got in the car and, and drove to New Jersey. And then I got a message from you. You're like, looked at the show notes. I think we're largely in agreement. (laughs) How disappointing is that? I mean, I think that's largely good, right? It probably means we have a handle on the forum pretty well. Or we're deep in the Lords of Limited echo chamber, one of the two. Yeah, but again, as you always say, can't, how can it be an echo chamber when we're <laughs> when we're not really talking? You know, <laughs> you fair. know, we we don't talk much other than what you folks hear on the uh, the airwaves. So I'm excited to get into it. We've got you know a lot of basically checking in on our assumptions from the crash course, and then checking in on a lot of individual cards, and of course some top common re-rankings that we. I think that's where our our largest disagreements will be. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, and I think we'll uh, we'll get into that. And we've got some I think we'll have some concessions and we'll have some contentions as well in that section. So uh we're gonna get into that in just a second. Uh first things first, let's take care of some housekeeping stuff. Let's talk about the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. The show will always be free, but uh, you get some sweet perks over at the Patreon page. And the base level, everybody who gives back via the Patreon gets access to the Lords of Limited Discord. And if you're listening to this on Monday, the day the show comes out, there'll be a lull over the Lords of Limited Discord. You know, maybe a tumbleweed blowing across the channels. Calm before the storm. Because, come whatever, is it t- 10 Eastern, 11 Eastern on Tuesday, when this set goes live on Arena, we have these little fire emojis next to the channels when there's been discussions there in like the past five or 10 minutes. So, I'll let you know there's like the recent discussions are happening. There's going to be fire emojis (laughs) everywhere. The Discord will need to be taken out with a hose, my friend, because (laughs) uh, it's it's just a fantastic community, and it really does explode the first week of a format. Um, So if you're interested in getting in on a community like that, the Lord's Limited Discord via the Patreon is for you and a lot of sweet perks as you move up the reward tier rankings over at the Patreon as well, including access to the show notes, access to the episode a day early, and access to monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben, depending where you are on those reward tier rankings. So if any or all of that sounds of interest to you, please head on over to the Patreon page. And we want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they join. So this week we're welcoming Talented Cringe, German Gary Oak, Luke, Aaron, Ben, Enrique, Long Way West, Bits of Wolf. Evan Poole, Adam Lionel, Alexander, and Peter is better than me at magic. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Cannot say thank you enough. I have to know what happened there. That has to be a bet that was lost, right? Has to be a bet that was lost. I see. I thought that was about whoever this person is and someone else. I think that was just Peter wanting me to say that Peter is better than me at magic. (laughs) It's my guess. You think Peter is just like, ha, got Ethan Sachs real I, good fist pump. I think so. That's what I think. Uh, let us know in the Discord. I'm curious, Peter, or Peter is better than me, um, <laughs> uh, if, uh, if that's true or not. But yeah, really appreciate all the support, folks. I do love a good bet, and that would be a great punishment <laughs> for losing a bet. <laughs> Show is also brought to you
1: by CoolStuffInc.com, where they've got cool stuff in stock. And that cool stuff right now... Wilds of Eldraine boosters, baby. I don't really think you're going to be storing them in the closet. I think you're gonna be cracking those things open and drafting. I will say I went to the pre-release this weekend, two pre-releases. Uh, the second pre-release was a very intimate affair. It was me and one other person. <laughs> so <laughs> we played our one round. But Friday night was popping off. And my older brother and I, Nick, went. We crushed it one and two. And he beat me on breakers in first place. We both went 4-0 and he dodged me the whole way through. So he's got the claim to fame of being the best warning brother, but had a blast playing with paper cards, which you can get from cool And I will say the other thing that really stood out to me at the pre-release was I normally am not a fan of like the full art or the alternate border, like all that stuff. I just like like the classic clean magic card look. The fairy tale, like full art border things look really good in paper. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that's good to hear. So you can have a chance to crack those open if you get your booster boxes from CoolStuffInc.com. So please make sure when you're ordering over there, use checkout code LOL, all caps, to get 5% off anything you purchase in their store.
0: All right, um, let's dive into some big picture adjustments slash thoughts is how I have this this titled here. You know, going into the format last week, we talked about thinking that, bargain was the name of the game, right? We were, we were and we were sort of right. And we'll get to bargain in just a little bit. But for me, roll tokens are the name of the game. Currently, they're better than you think. I think everything that makes a roll token kind of like everything that ring temps should be bumped up in your pick order.
1: I want to push back against that a little bit. because yeah. I, I agree. Roll tokens have been excellent. But the some of the cards that make them are poor rates. And mm-hmm. I think some of them are like combat trick style, almost attached to creatures that have adventures. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly risk reward to getting your roll token down sometimes, depending on where it's coming from. And I, I will say like the cards that are efficiently make roll tokens like Curse of the Werefox or something just outstanding that's the two in a green fight spell that mm-hmm. um, gives your creature a monster roll that card is incredible but there's some other ones like some of the commons that are more in the D d plus range I think those I, I'm not really jazzed about as far as bumping them up too far
0: I buy that you know stuff like i'd say besotted knight that's the three and a white three three just vanilla hill giant with an adventure i forget what kind of maybe a royal roll token i think is is what it makes for single white on the adventure side that I'm not like super thrilled by so I, I guess I, I agree with that like I'm not bumping up literally everything and trying to put anything that says make a roll token in my deck but I've been very impressed by them and very happy to just have maximum roll tokens mostly in my decks
1: yes I agree I think the distinction I want to draw in your comparison is that like you're wanting to say with ring tempting like we were we thought that was good and it was even better right yes and it's similar here but the the reason like the D ring temps got bumped up was because like the hitting your fourth was so important. So you needed like, twelve. it's not really the case with roll tokens here. So I think that's where
0: the analogy falls off a bit. And and honestly, there might be a bit of um, the reverse effect. Like if you have not enough bodies and too many rolls, you do feel bad like replacing roll tokens. Um, If you know, not if you're if you're getting an enchantress trigger to draw a card, obviously you don't care. Or sometimes I did miss uh, lethal with replacing a wicked roll token with a wicked roll token in early access of like, oh, I could have just had that go away and ping you and get you from one to zero. And I think that that makes a lot of sense and and also ties into one of the points I want to make about, I think because roll tokens are so good, cheap threats are much better. And this is something where I feel like we may be saying different things or, or perhaps have just had different experiences. That's an important thing to, to just hammer home. Initially here, because we don't need to caveat everything we're going to say this episode with, you know, I've done six drafts. I don't know how many drafts you did during early access, Ben, plus your two pre-release seals. But like, we've definitely had a chance to play with the set more than our listeners, probably, but still a very small amount. I do feel fairly confident with my of take, you uh, takes, though. Yeah. I
1: mean, but yes, I've done similar to you. Six drafts and the two perils.
0: Yeah. So anyway, so I think the cheap threats are much better. Like I really like, you know, we'll talk about Ginger Brute as just a one mana, one, Ooh, one haste. Ginger is R- so incredible. So long wrong like, about that card. Those cheap and, and whatever, pseudo evasive, actually evasive, like Snare Master Sprite, those threats that you can put a roll token on before turn three Are really good. And even sometimes when they're just one mana, one ones with, I don't know, some little incidental upside or expensive mana sink stuff, you're still happy to suit them up just to have something to put your, you know, wicked roll token from Conceited Witch on before on turn three, you're playing your three mana, two, three menace, you know? Yes, completely agree, for sure. And again, maybe it's partially me coming off of Arena Cube that I'm like, just fill up that one and two drop slot as much as possible. (laughs) But I do think that 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 has been my experience that I like because it's pretty easy to end up with a lot of roll tokens in your deck, then you want to make sure you have places to dump them because it's not the end of the world when you just play Conceited Witches, your three mana two, three on three. But you'd really like to be able to get that wicked roll token out beforehand. So just chatting about the roll tokens in
1: general, like, would, how do you feel about lumping them into Cursed, Young Hero, and then the other four, I think are, are largely similar, like as far mm-hmm. as the plus one plus one is the main thing that you care about. And Bargain Fodder, like they're all unique effects. I mean, obviously, Monster's better in green, but like they are all kind of suited to where they're best in their colors anyway. Like you get the ones you want of the plus one plus one variety. I would agree. So I want to go on record as saying I was pretty (laughs) wrong about Young Hero, I think. Yeah. I really like that, almost maybe to the point where I think it might be the best one, because when it when it pops off, it's really oppressive. Like if you get it on a one one flyer or you get it on a ginger brute or you get it on your Goblin, Rat Catcher, the 2-1 the First Striker in red, the common. So there, there's several ways, I think, to pop off with Young Hero that aren't quite available to the others.
0: Yeah, and I think I, – I don't think exclusively I made this mistake, but certainly partially. I made the mistake of reading – toughness three or less as oh this can't grow past three it can grow to four but it can grow to four your <laughs> snare master sprites can be four fours your gingerbreads can be four fours and then not that this is that important but and then you have something literally free to it's sacrifice not doing yes. anything else you have something literally free to sacrifice to bargain
1: yeah so I, th- I think young hero might be the best and i have also been pretty underwhelmed by cursed roll tokens i don't know what your experience has been with that it seemed like from the show notes that you were maybe a little higher on them than me like i think 10 to 15 percent of the time they're nuts like when your opponent bargains out an early hamlet glutton or whatever that's the the green three and a green green for a six six well it's actually five green green it's for funny. six six trample but then you bargain it away so you're always bargaining it so it essentially costs five but
0: it's a five minute six six yeah
1: so 10 to 15% of the time, I think the cursed roll's really good. But like the other 80, 85% of the time, that's not how percentages work. But the rest of the
0: time, they've been largely underwhelming, I think, because they don't take abilities away. Yeah, I- I've been a little bit more. Yeah, it does. I think you. I agree. I've, I've been more impressed with them than that. But I think I largely agree that I would rather have my rolls buff my own creatures than nerf my opponent's creature. And I think just before we talk about bargain I want to just mention rectangle theory. We've got enough com- we've mentioned it incidentally enough on the podcast that we've gotten comments on Twitter or questions on Twitter on Twitch in our Discord of like what what is rectangle theory? So I just want to like rectangles baby. It's rectangles baby and that's all we ever say <laughs> and people are like what are you talking about? So I might actually, uh, when I get home in a week, put something up on our YouTube channel, like maybe a five or 10 minute thing, outlining it more in detail. But basically, the idea is it's a way for limited players to depart from the this whole like, a rat token is a third of a card or uh, a food token is half a card, like trying to figure out what fraction of a card these tokens are, and just referring to all cards and tokens as rectangles. So that you just get to sort of lump in like, hey, this card's two rectangles. It's three rectangles. And that lets you sort of have a, a different way to codify what amount of value you're getting from cards. And the more rectangles, the better in rectangle theory. And yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> right. Rectangle theory states that the more rectangles someone makes, the better off they are. And I do think that's true in this format. I think, you know, you're making your rolls, you're making your food, your treasures, whatever. I think you're you're going to have a good time. So to that, bargain has felt basically free. Like, when you want to bargain stuff, you can. Bargain fodder is so much easier to come by. I had a couple people message me this weekend just like, hey, haven't had a chance to listen to the episode, about to do a pre-release, going in blind, give me the quick hits. And that was always one of my three points, was bargain fodder is so much easier to come by. It's almost incidental. But good bargain payoffs are harder to come by i think yes the choking
1: point on bargain is good bargain cards not bargain fodder for sure correct feel very strongly about that and that's one of the reasons that hamlet glutton we've shouted out a couple times is so good it's five green green, six six trample etb gain three life and if you bargain it it costs two less to cast so it's a five mana six six trample plus there's ways to accelerate in green to where it comes down on turn four a lot of the time pretty consistently and a turn four six six trample gain three is broken in limited, a common.
0: It's incredible. Yeah. I saw many Hamlet Gluttons cast on Thursday, both from myself and from my opponents. Not once did I see it cost seven mana. <laughs> I've cast one for seven mana already. No, never. And what's so sick about that was a return to the wilds from the wilds, um, the two in a green ramp spell that you can either get a food or a 1 1. That like double ramps you. Yeah. Single handedly gets you
1: there on turn four, assuming you hit your fourth land drop. That is incredible. Yeah, it's very strong. So the other thing I want to shout out with bargain cards, I think a lot of the highest upside or a lot of the the best build around cards in the format want you to have a lot of bargain. There's things like hatching plans, which is the one in a blue Uh, enchantment that whenever you sacrifice it, you get to draw three cards or something like the princess takes flight, which we were talking about. You know, we missed last week during our previews. I was talking about sacking it after chapter three was on the stack. Uh Get rid of it before chapter three goes on the stack. Many people put this out in the discord. It's just a premium removal spell. So turning that into potentially a reusable removal spell, if you pick it up, there's ways to do that with stockpiling celebrant, the two and a white three, two that lets you rebuy a permanent to your hand. Um, It's a white common or you know with bargain cards like being able to consistently princess takes flight know you're going to be able to bargain it for upside is just very very powerful but you have to get to you know 7 8 bargain cards to really consistently be able to have those things turned on but when you do
0: i think that's one of the most powerful things you can assemble in the format yeah but i found it pretty awkward like i grabbed a hatching plans early cuz i was like oh bargains easy like this is before I sort of really realized what was happening with bargain, but I was like, oh, I've seen bargain on a lot of cards. Hatching plan seems sweet. Took it early, only with with really trying to get it. Only ended up with four instances of bargain in a blue red deck. And the other awkward thing about that is like, then I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to hold torch the tower in my hand. Right. I want to be able to fire that off. I don't want to have to hold my X in a red burn spell for later. And so then you're like, Oh, well, I've used two of my four bargain cards already. And now I've drawn hatching plans. This is super awkward, you know, and so I think you can get into that situation way more often than not, which is again, why Hamlet Glutton's so good is because it's such a good incidental uh, bargain payoff at common, right? That's but that's the point I want to hammer home
1: is that I think bargain is upside, like it, it seems like it should be a downside, right? Where mm-hmm. like, you're having to remove this thing from your board, but like bargain, it's in the name, you're getting a bargain. Like when you put bargain cards in your deck. Like it's a positive thing for your magic cards to have on them.
0: And I think like really finding the ones that are really good, like Hamlet Glutton or Or Back for Seconds, the two in a black uncommon that returns two creatures from your graveyard to your hand. Or if you bargain it, you get to put in a creature with MV4 or less just onto the battlefield. That card's broken.
1: Yeah, or even something as simple as Troublemaker Oof, which is the one in a green 2-2. Mm. When ETBs, you can bargain and then exile, target artifact, or enchantment, and opponent controls. That's not one of the good bargain cards, but it, it doesn't hurt you to put it in your deck. Like, you just have to try to find cards that say bargain on them that are C or above, right? Mm-hmm. Like, preferably you want the Bs, B-minus bargain cards. Like, those are just incredible. But then I think, like, just finding ways to get your bargain number up if you're trying to build around those other cards, which I think you should be, in the format, but also just the looking the idea that you're looking at bargain as a
0: positive and not really needing to think about, oh, I've got bargain fodder with hatching plans or princess takes flight. Like, I almost would rather take look once I've got, oh, I actually have five bargain cards already that I like. Now I'm excited to take hatching plans, which I usually it's the reverse, right? Usually it's you pick up a bunch of enablers and you get a couple payoffs. But here I feel like the choke point is the payoffs, actually. Yes,
1: completely agree. And I think once you're getting bargain cards, assuming you're not building around those cards like Hatching Plans or Princess Takes Flight and Cursed Courtiers, is another one, the one white white for the one one that comes into play with a cursed roll token. That's another one that you can build around. Other than that, you should just assume that you're going to have fodder for your your bargain cards. Like you don't need Correct. to work to have fodder. It will happen naturally over the course of the games and the commons like the sets just designed that way. If you are drafting according to rectangle theory, Yes. And I think like <laughs> taking our top
0: commons and, and things right. like that. Yeah. yeah. Assuming you have good cardi valves, it will happen naturally for you. So adventures back in Wilds of Eldraine and back with, with a bang, I would say. It's a great mechanic. And the off color cycle of the uncommon adventures, th- they're basically all nuts, right? Like maybe the the black one with the red fling variant is not isn't nuts, but most of them are. Great. And, and honestly, like some of them, I think the blue, like the blue phantom monster with the white exile a, a, a tapped creature, like you could just play the white spell in your black white <laughs> deck, right? Like, it's just good. Like, you don't even need to have both options available to you. Yes. Well, and the black red fling one.
1: Turns on the act of treason and area. Yeah. It's tempting apple too. Like, there's a home for the black red one too, because yeah. it is a little lower impact. So, you might get it late. I think that card's got really high
0: upside as well. For sure. I, I agree. And I do think, in terms of the common adventures, they're largely polar, right? They're either just pretty good. Pretty replaceable.
1: Yeah, that's what I've felt. Not a lot of in-between. And I've been fairly underwhelmed. We're gonna talk about color power rankings at some point here. I've been fairly underwhelmed with the blue common adventures.
0: And I think that's that's largely where blue has fallen short for me. I agree. I, I liked the Vantress transmuter more than you, it sounds like the four mana three, four with the adventure tap a creature, put a cursed roll on it. But but I agree it like I wanted blue to get some punch from those, and I think it it doesn't, unfortunately. Well, so let's talk about Vantris Transmuter as an example, because I think it'd
1: be interesting to to dial in on where we're different on it. Because we were mm-hmm. we were doing top common rankings, which we'll do at the end of the episode, and I think you had this again. Largely, we don't know what's going on with blue, but you had picked this as your number one, with the caveat mm-hmm. of like, hey, really not sure what's up with blue. And I feel similarly; I don't have a strong order for blue's commons, but I've played with Vantris Transmuter quite a bit, which is one on a blue sorcery speed curse something and tap it and tap it and then four mana, three, four. I just felt like you can't fire off the adventure early because the things that come out early, you don't want to curse generally, because if Correct. there's something good, it's got good abilities. Like it's like turn four or five, six until like the chonky donkers come out. And like, yeah, you're, you're really glad to have this when your opponent turbos out of Hamlet Glutton. And it, as people catch on to that strategy, maybe this card will go up. But I've largely felt like it was stranded in my hand because I wanted to land a cursed roll token. And I didn't care at all about a three, four on curve and on turn four. So I was never like running it out pre cursed roll token. And it was just stuck in my hand, like similar to the black one where like you have you have to wait for a creature to get into the graveyard. Like yeah, that one requires you to wait
0: for your opponent to get a big thing out. Yeah, I, I may have just I, again, I only played one blue deck on Thursday, but I may have just only seen this after my opener so i never had that awkward situation because i remember like being like oh this tapped thing is great so i must have already had a board because i remember thinking like oh wow it's awesome that not only with the curse roll token but this taps the thing so it gets the blocker out of the way and it sort of does the like plays offense and defense thing because then you're not as worried about the one one cracking you back and then the three four just felt like you know Fine rate, um, but oh. I, I hear everything you're saying. If that's in your opener, that definitely feels awkward. Yeah. The one last point I want to make about adventures is I'd,
1: I'd forgotten this since original Eldraine. I did remember doing this dance in Eldraine, but I forgot how risky trying to time out the adventure combat tricks is like there's a lot of cards that have instant speed combat trick adventure And then are the creature. And if you get blown out trying to stick those, you lose the creature, too, which feels terrible. Like you're trying to get value because you want both halves of the card. But I think to really maximize those, you need to be a focused, aggressive beatdown deck to be forcing your opponent to like tap out to try to catch up. Like if you haven't put
0: them on the back foot, it's very hard to stick those combat trick adventures. So what are the like the really Good ones. Like, I've liked the red. There's the red three mana four, two. That that one's been good. I agree. Plus two, plus one. That feels like a little Rimrock Knight variant from original Eldraine. You know, we're going to disagree about this. The, you are lower on the four mana, four, three trample in green that has the one and a green monster roll token at instant speed. Yeah, I've come way down on that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I've definitely felt like you're not using it as a combat trick to me. But you, want, you want the four
1: mana, four, three trample. It has been fine for that. I just haven't been able to do both often.
0: Yeah, well, no, I just mean that like I'm not using, I'm, I'm more often like, oh you're not blocking well i'm gonna i just want to use my mana this way this turn and then play the four three or whatever like i'm not using the monster roll token to blow out my opponent just using it to like buff a creature and then along the way and then i'll get a four three you know sure but they have to be tapped out when you do that yes like you can never do that into
1: open mana which is tricky like it's not Mm -hmm. it's not trivially easy to stick that i think
0: is my experience totally agree and talking about green. And, and I think just fixing in general, having access to some incidental fixing via a prophetic prism via some uh, treasure tokens, whatever, via an you know, evolving wilds or edge wall in, I think that's really nice because the off color adventure cards are so good, right? Well, yeah. And you even shouted out crystal grotto and I kind of poo pooed you like crystal grotto has been excellent for me. Well, because it opens up the pot. Like, you know, if you're red, black or whatever, and you've got two or three of the off-color adventures in those colors, you all you just get one Crystal Grotto and that solves all your problems. That just like, like just it lets you mize like, hey, I might be able to cast this adventure.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think almost every deck is going to want one Crystal Grotto. And I think it's going to be interesting where you end up. Taking it because I felt really bad when I didn't have access to one, but I think I was probably a little low on it. But just the Scry one and turning on
0: off color. Oh, interesting. You is think the really Scry good. one is uh, valuable? I mean, it's wow. upside. It's certainly better wow. to have than not, right? It's, it just sound yeah, no, for sure. I just think I may have mentioned that to you. <laughs> And we looked at the card and and I was I was you were instantly almost, dismissed, and I was, I was wrong. almost kicked off the podcast. I, I feel like
1: yes, you were instantly dismissed, and I was completely wrong, mea culpa,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, what do you think? there's a is there a week three, week four? Five color good stuff deck for us to find. Oh, definitely. And I don't know
1: that it's going to wait that long. I think it might be week one, depending on how you decide to draft the format, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I think if you're really, truly trying to stay open, and I think when we get to the color rankings, green's one of the better colors. I think it will be fairly easy to get into this green, like, especially as people don't know what the good cards are early on. Like, you just might end up with a bunch of the really powerful off-color adventure cards. Well, We've teased this
0: enough. Let's chat about our color rankings okay. right like i think this is important and i'm i'm shocked here are we on the same page i think so i think you thought you were gonna get a hot take and i'm it. I'm, I'm on board oh man co yeah. sign me up and i was i was like wait i wanted to wait to drop it on the podcast but then i like really wanted to make sure i like had it i was like early had it in writing but maybe this isn't even a, a hot take i posted it on twitter you know black is the best color i think that's largely everyone's going to agree with that, right? I think so. I mean, that's not where I was initially, but after playing with the cards, that's where I'm at pretty firmly. And green is a huge mover up for me. And I have it as the second best color in the format currently. Yep. And I think was not intending to draft green and just ended up green a lot during early access
1: because of all the things we're talking about. Hamlet Glutton is great. It's got good bargain cards. It got good ways to make roll tokens. And it's got Mm -hmm. cards that play well with both of those mechanics.
0: Right. Yeah. Like it's higher rarity cards are great, but then it's just got this, you know, chunk of, I don't know, four or five commons. What's crazy to me about the top three colors, and I have white currently in number three, is that I would say there's probably three to four commons in each of those colors that I'm happy to first pick. And that's kind of like, you're not usually first picking a common in limited. And for colors to run that deep with cards, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll take that is is i think really something special. Yeah, I don't know that I am going quite that deep
1: on happy to first pick on all those three colors, but I agree. I think those are the three colors that have really impressed. The other thing I want to shout out about green is if you look at its uncommon's on Scryfall, it is just bangers all the way down, like all of them are excellent. Like well, I, we were going through the episode, like by commons and uncommons to
0: find our movers up, movers
1: down. And I looked at greens on and I was like, Oh my God. Yeah.
0: These are ridiculous. They're all really, really good. Well, I think you and I had, you now maybe we both had one overlap, but we definitely had different top on last week. And there were again, maybe three or four more that I'd be happy to, to put on that list as well. So black number one, green number two, white number three, And that makes me feel like I'm going to label this an Abzan format currently. And then I have red in fourth place and blue pretty significantly in fifth place right now. And it's just largely, again, like when we get to the top commons, I was like, I don't really know what I like about these two colors at common currently. And I know you, you've got more experience slash more interest in red cards. So I'm gonna let you lead that part of the conversation. Um, but that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I still have high hopes for red
1: enough that I could see it moving ahead of white or at least being equal to white. And I, I would agree that blue is in last place. I think the the thing that red runs into and we'll get into this when we get into our top commons is that red's got good commons, but they're good in exactly one deck, which is tough, I think, for the the format, because archetypes, I do think, are largely linear and synergistic. And then, like, you, if you're taking red commons early, you lock yourself into a lane, which is the opposite of what I think you kind of want to do. So we'll talk about that a little more later in the episode. But I do do still have hopes for red, but I, I would be shocked if it ever got up to black and green's territory, at least in my mind, after the, you know, the little bit of playing we've done so far.
0: Yeah. All right, let's take a quick ad break, and we'll be back with the rest of these bullet points. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever find that just as you're trying to fall
1: asleep, your brain suddenly won't stop talking? Do your thoughts start racing right before bed or at other
0: inopportune moments? Last time we talked about BetterHelp, you mentioned my unhealthy relationship to the comments. Well, I'm sad to say that there are certainly times at night where I draft and redraft replies in my head. It is not the most relaxing thing to do to yourself, Certainly not. For me, I think a lot of
1: times it's interactions that I've had with students over the course of the mm. day. I'm pretty introverted. and so all the interactions with students really takes it out of me. And if there's conflict there, I'm replaying how I handled that conflict with a student, what it's going to be like the next day. And I I just get into this loop of, okay, how am I going to repair this relationship with, you know, over 300
0: kids at times, you know, it's tough. Yeah. Turns out one great way to get rid of racing thoughts is to talk through them. Therapy can be a great opportunity to get out of your negative thought cycle and find some mental and emotional peace. If
1: you're thinking of starting therapy,
0: give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com
1: lords today to get 10% off your first month.
0: That's betterhelp.com help, slash lords. And now back to the show. All right, Ben, on your stream on Thursday, I logged in and you with a little grin, a little a little wry <laughs> grin on your face, you said, You love this format, don't you? I did say that to you. And you were you were <laughs> irritated. <laughs> I didn't much appreciate your tone, sir. And I that leads me to the point I want to talk about, which I think is part of what you're you're saying, or part of what this point is about, which is is this a bomby format? Do you feel like we're We're back in March of the Machines territory of, you know, you're you're sad if you don't get to first pick a rare, et cetera. I think we're close to that. I don't think it's quite March of the Machines territory,
1: but I think this is a rare driven format and not to say that like the commons can't compete. The commons can compete. There just are a lot of good rares running around that you need to be aware of. And I think it it's going to dictate how you have to draft to a certain extent a little bit in that like think you should be willing to let rares put you in a direction. And I think that is going to balance out some of the color imbalances, as it were, because some of the rares are worth, you know, drafting red for or drafting blue for or drafting whatever for. But I also think similar to other formats where we've had great rares, I have really wanted removal and premium removal and premium interaction, like cannot be high enough on candy grapple, which is the the one in a black minus three minus three. And if you bargain it away, something gets minus five minus five. There just have always been things I've wanted to kill on the opponent's side. And then the enchanting tales slot, I think, drives that up a little bit as well. And we've seen this in in bonus sheets. Like some of the some of the rare and mythic enchanting tales are really strong and you need to be able to get them off the battlefield. But I, I also think, you know, conversely to that, if you don't end up with the rares or the premium uncommons, I think you're you're wanting to try to end the game fairly quickly. Like I think you just don't want to end up in no man's land where you're hoping your opponent doesn't have a great rare that you can deal with.
0: Well, and that brings me back, you know, we're, we're, if you're following along with our, our show notes uh, via the Patreon page, if we're bopping around here a little bit. But that brings me to one of the points that we, we sort of passed over, which is that my feeling so far, and this is largely with how I've been framing roll tokens in my mind of just like, I want as many of them as I can get. Well, then I really want a super low curve so that I can deploy as many of those roll tokens, certainly the ones attached to my adventure creatures as early as possible. But despite what in my mind, I needing a super low curve, it hasn't felt like a crazy aggro format to me thus far. I agree. I, I don't think it has to be it feels
1: like Eldr- it feels like original Eldraine to me. And mm. then like, there are decks that can be crazy fast and there mm-hmm. are there's the whole spectrum. Like, that's what I would say is that it feels like OGL drain that way to me is that there's some really fast decks. There's some decks in the middle that have great synergy that can compete. And then there's like, you know, blue green cast mana value five or greater, I think, gets there. Like, I think
0: you mm-hmm. can go completely over the top and go hog wild, too. Yeah, I have felt like of the bonus sheets we have seen so far. And I like I said, I think this is our fourth one. This is the biggest. This has the biggest misses for me. I think most or more than 50% of these are kind of duds for limited. There are definitely ones that really matter. And there are definitely really sweet, strong, uncommon ones. But a lot of them are just straight up Fs. Yes, I would agree. There are a lot of Fs. But I think the ones that aren't
1: straight up Fs are on there are two categories, like uh, three categories. I think there are cards you're never going to play in the format from the enchanting tales yes there are ones that are really good that make the drafts more interesting at uncommon and rare and mythic and those are cool but then i also think i think in week five or six we're going to be appreciating these because there's also a lot of things that like are d's d pluses build around that like once you've figured out the format and you're like eh I want to have some fun. Like, yeah. there are a lot of five mana enchantments
0: that are like <laughs> Ds <laughs> that you can, I think, go ham on building around. I kept trying to get Sanguine Bond to work. The three black, black, whenever you gain life, your opponent loses that much life. I was like, oh, this has to be so sick with food. But honestly, I haven't felt like black green is food
1: that oh, much. I have. That's interesting. I, I really think it's food, and I really think it's linear.
0: Oh, I you, you got to check out my my black green decks are just... There's rectangles. rectangles and tokens <laughs> like they're just roll tokens. Um. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um. Let's let's jump back to your point about this being like original eldrain because you've mentioned that a little bit before on stream, too. I want to unpack your thoughts on what you mean by that, because I feel like we've been talking kind of specifically by like categories of the format. And I I feel like this is going to give you an opportunity to give us that that Ben Warney big picture take. Yeah, I think when you sit down to your first draft,
1: this is what I would want to know going into my first draft. I think it's going to feel a lot like original Eldrain if you played that format. And if you haven't, the whole thing about Eldrain was that you wanted to hashtag delay the decision for locking in your archetype because the archetypes are pretty linear. And I think that is true here as well, that if you find the open archetype, you're going to get good cards for your deck late that no one else wants. Whereas if you and another person at the table are both blue black fairies, like you're going to be picking off each other's cards and both of your decks are going to be significantly worse as a result. Like I think if there's one fairies drafter at the table, your deck's nuts. If there's two, your deck's pretty mediocre to bad, I think. Especially because that archetype relies on a lot of uncommons. Mm -hmm. But I think if you find your lane, and the other thing delaying the decision does when you do find your lane is that you get a chance to pass some of these really good rares that we've talked about. So you get rewarded for, I think, finding the correct lane with good rares being passed to you occasionally and that's why i also think fixing so good too because there's a lot of the good rares are splashable which is just Mm. like totally nuts as well like they're not blue blue or you know you can just toss mama goose in your black green deck like yeah at, at little to no cost to you so i think that's true as well Um, But yeah, I think largely playing the games and drafting has felt like original Drain to me. Like, I think you're incentivized to do a lot of similar things in that you want to get deep into one color and I think try to delay locking in which archetype you are as long as possible. And I I wasn't doing that initially. And then I was like, oh, I just need to start doing that and had a, a way better time. Once I started operating under that same, you know, kind of user manual from original Eldraine. That makes sense. And the, the other thing I will say, too, you know, we talked about the draft archetypes being linear or synergistic. I think there's a ton of secret gold cards going on in the format at common, like just everywhere at common and uncommon as well. Like, I think a lot of the cards want to go in in one deck. Like, for mm-hmm. example, Barrow Naughty is a, a good example for a non-fairies deck. So one in a black for a 1-3 flyer has a lifelink as long as you control another fairy. And then you can pay two in a black to give it plus one plus 0 until end of turn. I think you're only ever playing that in blue-black, and I think anytime you're playing it outside of blue-black, something went wrong.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Or similarly, this one maybe a slightly less good example, Sweet Tooth Witch in a non-food deck because of... Rectangle theory. So this is a, a three mana three two that gives you a food. So it does give you two rectangles. I think you're you're maybe happy with it in that sense, but I think you're not maximizing the card unless you put it in a food deck. And there's so many cards in red that fall under the same category, like unruly catapult. You know, two in a red for the 04, tap it to ping your opponent. Oh, yeah, and you untap it when you play an instant or sorcery. Like that is a blue red card, and I think you're hoping to never play it in most other decks. Not that you couldn't make them work like you can, but you have to work so much harder for the synergy when you put the commons out there, the color pairs. And when you get them in the right color pair, you get a lot of C pluses late. Yeah, I I agree with that for sure. The other thing I want to get on record is hot take about the data, baby. I know the data word coming out of my own volition. I want to I want to get in before the data users. (laughs) okay i want to say that the data prediction for the format is that the rage for this format is going to be filtering by color pair on 17 lands because i think the archetypes are so linear and so synergistic that that's going to give you a truer sense of what the win rates of the cards are and Uh i'm never going to do that because i'm just going to
0: draft archetypes but i think that's going to be all the rage for the 17 lands folks i buy it i buy it for sure Uh, let's uh team me up with some archetype power rankings yeah, I know this is your favorite segment. of love, our. I love it. <laughs> and that is complete sarcasm for those of you that are wondering
1: or following along at home. Ethan is not into the archetype power ranking. So tier one, I've got all four black decks, blue, black, green, black, red, black, white, black. think you're happy playing any black color pair. I also think and this is a more in theory, but I think blue, red, if you're the, assuming you're the only blue, red drafter, it's really going to get there as well. I also think this is another in theory, but the multicolor green decks that play the off color adventure cards, you know, just kind of a good stuff deck. And maybe that's green blue base more often than not. We'll have to kind of see. But I do think that's going to be a tier one deck tier two. I've got white green, I've seen some banger mono red aggro decks floating around during early access. So just like hyper heavy red aggressive decks as well, um, green, red and green blue, and then bringing up the rear in tier three, blue, white and red, white celebrate. The, the blue-white deck, I had a chance to play. I think you have to have Sheree, the numbing depths, for that deck to work. But the issue is, and that's the the uncommon signpost, that's a it's a 2-3, and you can tap an untapped creature. And when you do, you draw a card. The issue is that other decks splash that so easily. And the card right. is so broken on its own that it's going to get cherry-picked from you by the people that have good fixing. And if you don't draw it, your deck also largely... It's kind of like the Scry deck from lord of the rings like
0: when it has its nut draw it's unbeatable but Mm -hmm. the rest of the time it
1: largely i think is going to fall flat
0: all right let's chat specific cards So movers up and movers down and we're not going to chat about cards that are in or in our arguments about (laughs) the top three commons um so first up i wanted to chat about armory mice this is the one on a white three one at common and celebration gives it plus oh plus two until end of turn I want to just lump in basically all two ones and three ones. You know, my big take going in was, oh, there's rat out. There's flick a coin. There's so much X one hate. I didn't feel that way in early access. I didn't feel like X ones were as punishable or honestly as prevalent. I'll, I'll lump minstrosity in here too. the one in a black three one. When it dies, you get a food like they all just felt a lot better. And maybe that's because of the presence of role tokens that like, your window to pick off the X1 is actually kind of small, assuming that a roll token is going to get dumped on it in the next one or two turns. I would largely agree. I have felt like they're punishable like
1: i think we've probably like done a little bit of role
0: reversal like <laughs> yeah i yeah. have
1: felt what roll you
0: were reversal ooh. Huh? <laughs> uh
1: yeah i think because of what you said i, I have been a little more mindful of it and I, ha- I have felt like they are a little punishable but i agree like roll tokens certainly narrow the window of when they are punishable the other thing that's wild just with armory mice and celebration how is black the best color at turning on celebration like it's just not fair. Like black, yeah. black, everything black does makes two permits without even yep. trying.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem
1: fair. Next up, we've got Slumbering
0: Keep Guard. This
1: is one mana for the one one. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, scry one. And you can pay two and a white to give this plus one plus one until end of turn for each enchantment you control. This card is excellent in green white. I think this is, again, another one of those gold cards. I think you're probably only playing this in green white. Maybe black white rolls as well. But basically, this wears a roll well. Everything you're talking about, you want ones and two drops to put rolls on early. So you turn this into a 2-2. It's a reasonable magic card. It makes all your roll tokens scry when they ETB, which is also just excellent. Because like green-white one of the things that doesn't normally get a lot of filtering or card selection. And this provides it to you through all your R's that you're putting on the battlefield. And then late in the game, the threat of activation, you can double activate at six mana. Yeah. So like you can turn this into like an eight, eight, a 10, 10, whatever. It's
0: just a very unassuming card that's very impressive with lots of roll tokens. Speaking of unassuming, uh, next up, we got unassuming sage. This is one and a white for a two, two. When it enters the battlefield, you can pay two. If you do, you create a sorcerer roll token attached to it. I- I've liked this card. I thought this was going to be like a D and I don't think it is like, again, that idea of You want to play a two drop on turn two so that you have something to put a roll token on. And then later on in the game, if you top deck this or you have the mana for it, when you play it, it makes its own roll token that then you can bargain away later or whatever. Or it's just a three, three that you're happy to have. White cares about enchantments entering or leaving the battlefield, depending on what it's doing. This card is above replacement level for me.
1: I think it's not for me. This is one of the ones that I've I've not had great experiences with. I I would say still probably DD plus for me. I think it's only... If you care about roll tokens, it sounds like you've been on the roll token life, like hard on the role token life a lot more than I have.
0: I'm a tenured professor of rectangle <laughs> theory. So, yes, I have been.
1: I've found that I've been unhappy with both halves. Like I've not been thrilled playing as vanilla tutu and I've not been thrilled paying four mana to get a, a tutu with a sorcerer roll token. All right. More for me, I guess. Next up, we've got Frantic Firebolt. I almost put this in my top red commons, and and the Lord's Limited Discord scared me away. But I think I should have stuck to my guns. Maybe. Actually, Uh, no, 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 maybe not.
0: It's a a secret gold card. It's a secret gold card.
1: But I have seen it do work in green, red, and red, black as well. But we should say what it does first. So this is two and a red for an instant. Deals X damage to target creature, where X is two plus the number of cards in your graveyard that are instant cards, sorcery cards, and or have an adventure. It's not unreasonable get this to three like most decks can get it to three and then it's a a fine card once it's at three and anything past that i think it's quite good like you're happy to pay three mana for four damage at instant speed so it's a great payoff for blue red at common like to potentially get late but i think you can maybe find homes for it in red black red green as well
0: well one of the things that i really appreciated about it when i was drafting blue red the other day was that it was a card I could wheel. It was like a payoff for the blue-red deck at common. Now, maybe as decks get explored more or or figured out a bit more, that won't happen as it has homes in red-green or red-black, as you're saying. Um, but that was nice to be able to get a, a really strong card for your deck late next up we have got Minecart daredevil chatted about this already this is tuna red for a four two and it has the adventure ride the rails one on a red for an instant target creature gets plus two plus one until end of turn neither half of this is an exceptional card by any means but tacked on together i've really been impressed by this
1: yeah i think that card is excellent would co-sign there next up we've got mary bard this is two and a red for a three two when etbs you can pay one when you do create a young hero roll token attached to her creature you control and this one can even put it on itself which is super nice some of them say like you have to have another body on the battlefield i've been impressed by mary bards i i've not played it yet myself but just the young hero role has been truly good and i think it's yes. one of the ways that red aggressive decks are really going to snowball, and I think they need to have ways to do that.
0: Unruly Catapult, shout out to you. Two in red for the 0-4 Defender. Taps to deal damage to each opponent. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you untap Unruly Catapult. This is the three-mana Thermo Alchemist. It's a great finisher. I mean, you can basically go toe-to-toe, 20-0 to with a couple Unruly Catapults in blue-red. I'm curious, again, similar to Frantic Firebolt, if this has a home elsewhere, but I I liked it in my blue-red deck a lot. Funny you say curious. You know what card is great with the Unruly oh, yeah. Catapult? <laughs> curiosity, baby. We should shout that out. I am still by no means saying this card is good. <laughs> I am firmly in the curiosity is not good camp still. But curiosity does not say combat damage. So you slap a curiosity on Unruly Catapult. Baby, you got a stew going. Wombo, Mm-hmm. Next up, the Ginger Brute. I owe this card a
1: formal apology. I was a doubter, and I should not have been. This card might even be better in this format than it was in original because, Eldraine. Because of how good it wears a roll token. How good it wears roll tokens. How good it wears a young hero roll token, like turning yeah. it into a 4-4. Four, four. I've I've died to ginger brute already many times wearing a dragon mantle where like I just didn't have a removal spell and my opponents went five U six U in mono red with a ginger brute. Good lord, it, it has done work. It, and in a
0: pinch, like food token, like it just does. Oh, so good. Speaking of dragon mantle, can we chat about the enchanted tail slot? Like a couple of the cards that I think are worth um, pointing out that you want to uh, snatch up, maybe. Utopia sprawl. Single green, enchants of forest. You pick a color, and when you tap the forest, it adds that color of mana to your mana pool as well. I- is this the best non-rare green card? Is this just the best non-rare period? This card is nuts. It's not the best non-rare
1: period, unless we're, you're talking about limiting to the enchanted tail slot. And even no, then, I'm, I think. I'm saying, I'm saying overall. No. I, I would not say that. I, I think hatching plans might even be better in the the, the ceiling on hatching plans is certainly higher. Utopia's probably. I don't more. know if that's is that even true. That might not be true. Utopia's <laughs> probably is explosive. I don't know why
0: I'm arguing against this card because I love it. Also, yeah. Sp- sprawl is really good like sprawl on one into whatever g- g- accelerating one of my issues with the two mana accelerant which we'll talk about in a little bit root rider fawn um, is that i'm not actually interested in skipping my three mana value slot in most decks because three mana value has a lot of bangers but utopia sprawl skipping my i'm very fine skipping my two mana value slot in these games for sure well or just double spelling then when you get to turn four the right. other thing
1: is utopia sprawl again similar to uh, Return from the Wilds or whatever it's called um, is that it lets you turn for a Hamlet Club all on its own. Yep. Like, which is just nuts. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, Season of Growth is another one. It's really good with rolls and fight spells. This is one on a green for an enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you scry one.
0: And whenever you cast a spell that targets a creature you control, you draw a card. Yeah, I think that's just awesome. Really kind of trivial, I think, to make work in your green decks um put a couple rares on here that i'm actually going to skip over garrick's uprising though might be the best non-rare for power payoff which is funny that it comes from the enchanted tail slot this is tuna green for an enchantment when it enters the battlefield if you control a creature with power four or greater you draw a card creatures you control have Trample. that's the big one and then whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control draw a card so keeps the gas flowing cantrips likely and then the fact that it turns your dinky three mana four twos into still gonna deal damage if you block with your two two or your two one um it's a big game yeah and we've talked about dragon mantle already i think that
1: card is just an excellent tool for red aggressive decks i do want to shout out one of your rares which is oversold cemetery this would not have been on my radar as a premium card but it absolutely is so just to save other people from my mistake One of black enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have four more creature cards in your graveyard, you may return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Once you hit that threshold of four creatures, this card is oppressive. It's very difficult to beat. I I, I had an opponent play it against me and I was like, I don't love that card. And then we got to like turn seven and I was like, oh, I'm just never beating this card's grind. So I think that is a. Maybe B plus A minus like it's a, it's a very strong card. You have to build around it at all. You think you put creatures in your
0: deck, <laughs> like
1: mm.
0: that's a cost. That's a cost for sure. <laughs> um, let's chat about Collector's Vault. I was really really down on this two mana artifact. Pay two, tap it, draw a card, discard a card, make a treasure token. I, I kind of liked this in a, a black white like sack slash recursion deck. I know, I know. Welcome Ben's to the Giving dark Side. Uh, there's no incidental mill. In the format which really puts a, a hurt on any of the recursive spells and so having an additional way to do that plus it's a way to like dig towards or loot away the um, off-color adventure cards if you're playing them plus a way to enable splashing them if you're trying to do that I think I might be crazy here, but the, the format did not feel crazy fast where Collector's Vault didn't have a home.
1: Yeah, I will say there is the single black 1-1 one, one fairy that lets you surveil. That has been fairly mm. nice. It lets you surveil one. I mean, very small, but you there is one incidental milk card. <laughs> Thank you. Thank
0: you for pointing that out.
1: <laughs> Just looking out for you, you know, mm-hmm. for all the people that are going to gang up on you on X. All right, next we've got Neva stalked by Nightmares, which is two white black for 2-2 two, two menace, ETBs return a creature or an enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. Whatever enchantment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield. This gets a plus one, plus one counter. And then you scry one This card's been excellent. And there's just loops that go on with this and the green, white woodland acolyte card. And then then you can like sacrifice your adventure land to rebuy the acolyte to rebuy this to like. There's a lot of grindy things you can do with those combination of cards in Abzan.
0: Going less deep, I think just in black, white, the (laughs) fact that. I just missed that this gets back enchantments. Yes. And so the fact that you get hopeless nightmare and hopeful vigil in Neva's colors means that you play those early, sacrifice them to some bargain card, get that back, you're off to the races. Yeah, it's very good. Next, we've got back for seconds. We shouted this card out earlier, but I don't
1: think we sang its praises maybe quite enough because it is real good. Two and a black for a sorcery with bargain. Return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. If this was bargain, you can put one of those cards with mana value four or less onto the battlefield instead of putting it into your hands. This card is disgusting. D- tr- truly
0: disgusting uh hearth elemental this is extremely dumb in blue red. <laughs> I and again you playing this and i was like whoa it's a five and a red for a four or five it costs x less to cast where x is the number of cards in your graveyard that are instance sorceries or adventures and then it has an adventure one and a red sorcery discard your hand then draw two cards and when i was playing it this read one and a red draw two cards red four or five like it's it's really dumb as your last
1: card out of your hand. Yeah. And I think blue, red. Yeah. Uh, the blue, red synergy decks look very strong. Mm-hmm. Next, we've got a red tooth Vanguard. This is one in a green for three one trample. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay two. If you do return red tooth Vanguard from your graveyard to
0: your hand. Again, just like another X one that doesn't feel that bad. It's resilient. It has trample. So it wears the rolls super well. I've liked Vanguard a lot.
1: Yeah, card's great. There's also the stupid black green one where you can cast it from your graveyard as an adventure and just keep oh. playing it over and over and over. That card is. Yeah, broken. the green
0: knights or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah.
1: Next, we shouted out Troublemaker Oof earlier, but I want to shout it out again. One of green 2-2 two, two bargain when ETBs. If it was bargain, you exile target artifact or enchantment opponent controls. That just is something you want to do incidentally. Plus, it's a bargain card that ups your bargain count as a two drop that you don't feel terrible running out as a two mana two two. You know, if you need to, if
0: you don't have any other two drops, I think this card does a lot. We've talked about this in conjunction with Hamlet Glutton, but return from the wilds Tuna Green. Choose two as a sorcery, you search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield, tapped. then shuffle, create a 1-1 white human creature token, and create a food token. Largely picking those first two modes, and I think quite good at doing so.
1: Up the beanstalk, if any of you were watching LSV's first uh, draft like I was, it was crazy impressed without the beanstalk one and a green enchantment when etbs and whenever you cast a spell with mana value five or greater draw a card i think the fact that this gives you a card up front um on the way down
0: from itself just makes this largely free in blue
1: green but it was impressive to keep the gas flowing
0: i mean no surprise here with how high we are on roll tokens tanglespan lookout is incredible two in a green for a two three whenever an aura enters the battlefield under your control draw a card you have to kill this on sight Yes. Or your opponent is threatening to like definitely draw a card the next turn, maybe two, and then you're just done. Yep. Cards. Very good. One of the better uncommons in the set. Mm-hmm. And then Agatha's champion is next. We were both
1: poo-pooing this card, but it's gone way up for me. This is four and a green for a four-four with bargain. Trample, whenever it enters the battlefield, it was bargained. It fights up to one target creature you don't control. Generally, creatures have been smaller. I, I haven't felt that they're huge other than Hamlet Glutton. And this, this picks off relevant things. And again, bargain is upside on this card, not downside. And I think we were viewing it with bargain as downside.
0: We got cursed courtier next two and a white for a three, three with lifelink. When it enters the battlefield, you create a cursed roll token attached to it. So obviously, you know, having bargain to sack the roll token, that's something to do. But like we said, it's pretty hard to find enough bargain cards where you can do that reliably. But there's two other things you can do with this. One is just put another roll token on this. That was the thing I missed. And then it's a 4-4 four, four lifelink. That was the thing I missed. But also there's one of our top commons, the three mana 3-2 three, in white, that when it the battlefield, you can pick up a non-land permanent you control. You can pick up the cursed roll token off of this. Yeah. And that'll give you the scry two, and also unlock your 3-3 three, three as well. Yeah. Last one I want to shout out is
1: Princess Takes Flight. It's two and a white for the saga chapter one, you exile a creature chapter two, one of your creatures gets plus two plus two and flying. And then chapter three, return the exiled card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Like as you were saying, sometimes this card is just good, like you're near the end of the game and this card closes the game out. But the rest right. of the time bargaining this away or picking it up with the aforementioned stockpiling celebrant, it's just a recurrable removal spell, which is premium. In this format i think this is one of the best uncommons in the set assuming you build around it properly
0: agreed so those are all of our movers up let's chat about the want wands. the movers down i've got red cap thief here tuna red for a two three when it enters the battlefield create a treasure token you would think that under rectangle theory (laughs) this would pass the muster test but it really doesn't i just don't know like this is a fine card that i don't know uh where its home is it'd be better if it weren't red like it's just very out of place in
1: red yes root rider fawn is up next this is mover down for you not for me so much one and a green for a one three tap add green and you can pay one tap add one mana of any color
0: so yeah my feeling is like i said before I'm not crazy about this in my two mana value slot. Like, I feel like there's better things to do. And I don't really want to skip three mana in a lot of my decks because there's a lot of good stuff to do at three mana. That's fair. I think the
1: the difference is in it sounds like we've played different style of green decks so far. We're mm. like, I definitely if you're trying to like curve out with roll tokens, this does not belong in your deck at all. Like yeah. I completely agree. But I think this gets you to turn four Hamlet Glutton, which I like you know, I think that's really strong and it also yeah. turns on all your off color kicker cards. Like yeah. I, I value that way more than I do the ramp so much. But I think in any
0: green deck that's not like aggressive beat down, this is this is really good. Okay. I, I buy that with the off color adventure cards, which I think you called Kicker again. I probably did. A- I'll put a dollar in the swear jar. There we go. Thank you. Pizza party for everyone at the end of the year. In true teacher fashion. Uh, another card we're going to disagree on here, but I want to chat with you about is Twisted Sewer Witch. This is a mover down for me. Three black, black for a three, four. When it enters the battlefield, you make a one, one black rat creature token. And then for each rat you control, you attach a wicked roll token to it. I just like. I haven't drafted a full-on rats deck yet. And then so the floor of this is five mana three, four, plus a two, two rat. And I have found that better or slightly worse, but not so much worse, five drops are pretty easy to come by. That I I just never knew when to pick this up and draft. Like I never was in a deck that was like, oh, I'm already at critical mass of rats, so I can take this. And then just didn't have an opportunity to pick it. Yeah, maybe this is a C plus, but I think this is excellent in rats, right? This is another one of the gold cards. Like you're
1: only okay. ever, you're only ever playing this in red, black, but it's incredible in red, black, and you could maybe get it six or seven, or eighth pick if red, black rats is open. I think you're not supposed to put this in your deck unless you're dedicated red, black rats, but it's ceiling is incredible in that archetype
0: i buy that but then i think you know you, you had it in your top uncommons last week i was toying with it in mine it's not there but that's because we were high on red black specifically and i don't think that's
1: also true anymore i'm not like i don't think red black is head and shoulders above the other decks and thus it is a mover down yeah i agree i agree okay but i just want to make sure that we don't like yeah it so far, like it's still very good in red black agreed that makes sense into the fake court for me i i've liked this Muldrifter? Card. yeah Mull drifter it's not uh three three blue for a sorcery draw three make a one one fairy creature token with flying that can only block creatures with flying it's not that it's too expensive there's too many other ways to get card advantage in the format
0: sad to have a couple other blue cards on this list we've we've chatted about venturous transmuter already that's the four mana three four with the adventure of a curse roll token i'm going to talk about obira's attendance this is the five mana three four flyer its adventure is desperate parry One and a blue for an instant target creature gets minus four minus O until end of turn. Totally agree with your point here. I never, I couldn't quite pinpoint why this wasn't performing well, but blue just doesn't have enough board presence early to leverage the minus four minus O. So it's often just like the adventure feels more like... gain two life. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's like a risky to cast gain two, gain three life on whatever turn four before you fire this off on five. Yeah. And I think if you can figure out a
1: way to get blue decks that have board presence and maybe leverage this. But that's what I kept doing is I kept like thinking this was going to be a two for one. And then it wasn't, it was like, turn your two, three, that's attacking me into a negative two, three and be kind of sad. And then I have a bad five mana, three, four flyer later in the game. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll crack, we'll crack the code. Next is warehouse tabby. I'm sad to say my, my cat, I don't think is quite good enough black for a one, one. Chant me controls, put into a graveyard from the battlefield, make a 1-1 one, one rat creature token with this creature can't block, pay two to give it death touch. I do still like this card. This is like mover down in the sense that I still think this is good and playable, but I was very high on this card going in. And I think it, it, this is a card you're happy to pick up when it makes sense
0: in your deck. I don't think you're going after this aggressively and trying to build around it. We chatted about Ferocious Werefox, and again, just like the the cycle of the, um, the tricks attached to creatures as adventures. That's the 4-3 Trampler in green. Just a little awkward to fire off. Um, Gadwick's first duel is up next as well so many blue cards on the movers down list makes (laughs) me sad no uh this is a saga one in a blue chapter one you make a curse roll token attached up to one target creature chapter two scry two and chapter three when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell with mana value three or less this turn you copy that spell and you can choose new targets for it it's just pretty finicky right like you're never playing it early because there
1: aren't things you want to curse early And so you're like, but you need that for it to really be a good card. So like your playing of this is dependent on what your opponent does, which is not a good place to be for a magic card. But if you if you hit that magic scenario of something you want to curse, plus also having an instant you want to copy, it's powerful. It's just so rare for that to actually come up. I buy it. Lastly, discerning financier. This is two and a white for a two, three. The beginning of your upkeep. If an opponent controls more lands than you create a treasure token. You pay two and a white, choose another player. That player gains control of target treasure. You control, you draw a card. Your opponent just has too much control over whether you get treasures from this card or not. And like, I like this card as in maybe you're going to need to work to get bargain fodder. You don't have to work hard to get bargain fodder at all. I think this card is not anything special.
0: All right, let's get let's get the gloves on. Largely in agreement so far, this is where the disagreements are going to come in. So let's let's re-rank some top commons Uh, in white. We're still on board with Hopeful Vigil. And number one, this is the one in a white enchantment. You make a two-two knight token, and you can pay two in a white to sacrifice this. And when it uh, goes to the graveyard, you scry two. Card is excellent incredible yes very
1: good number two stockpiling celebrant two and a white for a three two when it enters the battlefield you may return another target non-land permanent you control to its owner's hand if you do scry two plays very yep. well with hopeful vigil
0: also plays well with hopeless nightmare which we're going to chat about in a second Yeah, yes yes it does and just plays it just plays better than you think like shout out to you last week and putting this in your top three commons and it only took me one deck of playing with it where i was like yep ben's right this card is Nuts! Like picking up your creatures under aura removal, picking up like we talked about with cursed courtier, getting to take the cursed roll token off that you own. Just like there's so many synergies with this, and scry two. It feels so. It's close to Arin Rider of Gondor. Scry two is pretty similar. It's card selection, not card advantage, and so it's like when you didn't have a legendary, you get to loot with Arin Rider. You get the scry two with Celebrant, and the more you can turn the uh, pick up a thing into upside, not tempo loss. The, the better off you're going to be. Now we're not on board with what number three is. I want to shout out return triumphant. This is one on white for a sorcery return a creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Put a young hero role token attached to it. Uh, similar to recommission, just overperforming in the brothers war. I've been really impressed by return triumphant. Like you get, the two rectangles of it all. Maybe you get a mana advantage if you're returning a three drop. Maybe you're returning Ginger Brute and then going off to the races with that young hero roll token growing it. I think this card's really good. I
1: have no experience with it. It's like it was not on my radar at all. So I was surprised to see it here from you. Question for you, just because I don't have any experience with it. Do you find like it's a later game play, right? Like turn four, five, six, like you're hoping to double spell with it. And like there's not ways to get things into your graveyard other than them dying through
0: combat or your opponents killing or looting them with collector's vaults. Oh, looting them with collector's vault. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, which isn't obviously like a great thing to do. I, so I agree. It's less good. with Like in, in Brothers World, there was the cycle of the, you know, mill three, ETB mill three creatures that helped to fuel this. Obviously, you don't have that here. So maybe it's it's less high of a pick. But I just want like I was very impressed by Return Triumphant. OK, uh, the, the times I saw it cast, uh, I would have in
1: number three cooped up the one in a white aura that's a pacifism. Enchanted creature can't attack or block. You can pay two in a white to exile the creature that cooped up is enchanting. I think normally we would not be high on aura effects, but I think things being an aura like this entering the battlefield is largely upside like this triggers your enchantress stuff. There's cool things you can do copying it with some of the rares. There's shenanigans where you exile things like it just does a lot. I think cooped up has been very versatile and better than a pacifism would normally be.
0: And another removal spell I want to shout out that I'm higher on than cooped up is Kellen's light blades. This is the one in a white instant deals three to target attacking or blocking creature. Or if you bargained it, uh, it just destroys the attacking or blocking creature as well. Like we said, like bargain fodder, pretty incidental. Kellen's light blades is gonna get its man, whether it's on Turn two or three or whether it's on turn six or seven. Yes, I agree. That card's been impressive. And again, get the bargain is huge upside
1: on it. There's times you don't even need to bargain like that you'll bargain because you want to get something off the battlefield, you know, whether it's a hatching plans or what have you. Yeah. Bargain's been huge upside on that. There are some creatures that are oppressive that your opponents won't attack with that this won't get. But I, I agree. Kellen's light blades has
0: been has been good and and cooped up can reach out and get those things off the battlefield. So I think pretty lined up on one and two still unclear about what belongs in that number three slot blue. Both of us, I think, are largely guessing here. And so Ethan <laughs> wants to go with my list. I'll, I'll, I'll
1: put my head on the chopping block. Uh, if I were to, you know, have to choose for blue, I would say Snare Master Sprite number one. It's blue for the one one flyer. And when it ETBs, you can pay two to tap something down and put a stun counter on it. I just think that card has a lot of upside. I mean, you'll uh, theoretically it belongs in the blue white tap deck, which I'm not super jazzed about. It's good in blue black fairies. And I think it's also good in blue red, like just getting a young hero roll token on this. However, you do that is strong and an evasive an flyer that's going to grow. It also wears just other role tokens. Well, once you turn this into a two-two flyer, you've got yourself a good magic of the gathering card. So I like snare master sprite one. Spell stutter number two, I've been impressed with. That's one in blue counter target spell and this is control pays two plus an additional one for each fairy you control. I think that card's truly excellent in blue black fairies. And then I think playable in blue decks outside of that, you know, not crazy to think you might have a fairy on the battlefield to turn this into mana leak. Well, certainly if, if snare master sprite is the number one blue common, you should. Yes. That's why I chose these. This is a synergy. And then number three, Johan stopgap uh, three in a blue. It's got bargain. And if you bargain it, it costs two less to cast sorcery speed return target non- land permanent to its owner's hand draw a card that card i think has been good feeling in that like it's a bargain card that you're fine like, it's bar- like bargains upside right like you'll play it for four mana but when you want to bargain you then have the option to bargain which is powerful the other thing i think blue has going for it is that it does say bargain on a lot of magic cards they're they're not good necessarily yeah they're they're not good necessarily but the word bargain is printed on a lot of blue magic the gathering cards so maybe there's maybe there's something there to figure out
0: all right sound the police alarm it's a hot take alert (laughs) oh dear i cannot (laughs) co-sign this hot take and it's not co-signing it and this is fine this is our biggest disagreement so far and this might just be very well a hot take i have as the number one black common hopeless nightmare single black enchantment enters the battlefield your opponent discards a card they lose two life and then again you can pay two in a black to sacrifice it and when it goes to the graveyard you scry two
1: cards great i like where your head and heart is at but it's only
0: it's only my heart for me but the yeah. card's great and i think it deserves being shouted out so the reason i have this is as number one and ahead of candy grapple which i also love the one in a black minus three minus three bargain minus five minus five uh I, just every time i drafted black which was i i think Four of my five drafts on Thursday. Hopeless Nightmare was the card I wanted every pack. I was just like, can I get this? (laughs) This is what I want. And it really feels, I think, the idea of it being a a fusion of Firest Beetle and Okiba Reckoner Raid, whatever. Just thinking about it like, you know, it's better than single black for a 1-1 they discard a card because, I mean, maybe not in this set with roll tokens, but because a 1-1 would never get in for two. And so you're getting so much, you are getting like a piece of cardboard from them. And then there's so much synergy of, obviously bargain gets this away. There's ways to recur this. There's ways to pick it up and replay it. And I just think that, Hopeless Nightmare is amazing. I would co-sign everything you said. I love Hopeless
1: Nightmare. I just think Candy Grapple is actually Nutter Butters. Candy Grapple would be my pick for the best common right now in the set. And I would be surprised if that weren't the case at the end of the format. Yeah, there are so many cards you need to get off the battlefield. And Candy Grapple does it so efficiently. Plus, it says bargain, which is huge upside on the card. Like. I just, I love Candy Grapple.
0: And then I think we're a a little split with number three as well. But again, this just speaks to how great black is. I I like Conceited Witch a lot. This is the three mana, um, two, three with menace and has a single black adventure to put a wicked roll token on something. Yeah.
1: Conceited Witch is excellent. I would say Voracious Vermin, number three for me, that's the two and a black two one that brings a one, one rat along with it. And then when something dies, it grows into a three, two been very impressed with that card outside of rats. It's just two pieces of cardboard for black decks because all of the black cards make two pieces of cardboard because black's ridiculous. So, and similar to Lord not? of the Rings, like the list of black cards that you're happy drafting goes like nine or ten commons deep.
0: Yeah, I was someone was asking me about minstrosity on uh, on Twitter and was like, oh, yeah, I saw like quarter calls playing that, too, and picking it highly like and I was like, yeah, minstrosity is good. I think it's like a C minus. And Alex was like. I think it's like a C plus. I really like it. I was like, do you have like seven black commons at C plus or higher? And he was like, yeah, I do. I was like, "Eh, that makes sense. (laughs) Can't argue with that. You know, Um, moving on to red, I sort of shrugged my shoulders again. Like, I I don't know what's going on with red. I feel fairly good about my red choices. And again,
1: I haven't played red that much. Yet, but I've seen red on the other side of the battlefield. And I do feel like red as a color is pretty split in that like its cards really want certain homes. So I think these are the cards that are good in more homes than not, which is why they're the top red commons or my picks currently. But again, could certainly see this list changing. I would go Rat Catcher Training number one. That's the one in red two one attacks with first strike. And you can pay two and a red at instant speed to make two rat tokens. It's great as a two drop, wears a young hero roll token super well, wears any roll token well, and then like on five mana, it's kind of an army in a can, which is really nice as well. Mm -hmm. Towards the tower number two, it's a single red instant deal two damage, bargain deal three damage instead, and exile the thing that it damaged. And in the third place, I would have cut in that's three and a red for the sorcery, deals four damage to target creature, and then you create a young hero roll token attached to target creature you control.
0: You like cut in and I felt this sort of choke point in the draft of cut in at four mana and edge wall pack at four mana that's the three in a red three three menace plus a rat token and you like cut in more than Edgewall wall pack I do in
1: theory and again don't have much experience with either I've played edge wall pack I haven't cast a cut in yet but like the young hero roll token has impressed me so much and I think red really wants to end the game quickly like I think red wants to put you on the back foot and I think there's not much more that does that than cut in kill your biggest blocker. plus young hero crack in, grow my thing like i just think that's a huge tempo swing that the red decks are really going to be after i buy that but just in general to talk to talk reds commons i'm not going to read these cards i just want to rattle things off to get people's brains thinking about them i we had red as the best color going in or at least i certainly did and it certainly moved down for me but i still have hopes for it but we talked about this a little bit i think it's commons go in one deck like Grand ball guest. That's only really good in red aggro or red white celebrate, which is Mark. You're only really happy with that in blue red flick a coin only really happy with that in blue red frantic fireball only blue red like a lot of reds cards are blue red only cards actually right. honestly which is why blue reds in my top archetypes because i think if you are red you're really going to want to be blue red but in crescendo. you're only playing that in red black edge wall pack probably only red black maybe in red black aggro bellowing bruiser again that's the one that makes things can't block four four haste like red aggro there's just it's just pretty narrow but i, I did see some very good mono red aggro decks floating around in early access. So I I do still have hopes for red as a color.
0: That makes sense. All right, another hot take alert, though I don't know if it is because you're co-signing this one. With Green's Commons in the number one slot, we have Hamlet Glutton. And this was hard for me because I think Curse of the Werefox is so good. It really is. (laughs) But Hamlet Glutton is just that much better. Like, Hamlet Glutton, it feels unfair to me. Yes. It's very powerful. It says you have to have a removal spell right now,
1: or the game's gonna be over in short
0: order. Right. The fact that this has trample is really what pushes it over the top.
1: But yeah, and uh, gain three doesn't hurt, and the fact that it frequently no. comes down on turn four or turn five. Like... At at a common, it feels like an uncommon, but the fact that you get to build around it or build towards it at common is really
0: strong. So we've got Glutton, Big Daddy, number one, Curse of the Werefox, the fight spell that puts a monster roll token on something. That's number two. And then not in agreement on number three. I, I currently have Red Tooth Genealogist. is the two and a green two, three that puts a royal roll token on another creature. I could also buy it just being the wolf, the three mana three, two with the adventure single green make a food. I like both of those a lot as some mix of my th- number three or number four. You've got a bit of a take here for what the number three is. Yeah, I think I would
1: say I like the wolf that makes a food better than Red Tooth Genealogist. One Genealogist just hits... It's quite good, but when it misses, it's quite poor, I think, in my experience, and the Wolf can't so miss just that draft, way.
0: You just got to draft those ones and twos, baby.
1: Yeah, but I'm not convinced that that's what green's best at doing, I think. That's why, wow. that's what I would say. I don't know that, I think there are styles of green decks that are that way, but. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, neither here nor there. I think I would put uh, the oof in number three slot right now, which is the one in a green two two um, that you can bargain away to exile target artifact or enchantment. Either that or the one three that ramps you and and filters colors through it. But I think I like the artifact enchantment exile effect.
0: Yeah, I I would buy that for sure. I haven't played with or against that card yet. But in that same idea of like bargain fodder is much easier to come by and you're definitely going to have targets, right? Like I think we haven't talked about this, but that was it spider food? yes the disenchant variant in green that's probably main deckable that's my feeling currently yeah so uh, that certainly would mean that the oof is going to have t- not only targets but good targets as well um in-, in your games so i could see that for sure but uh I-, I definitely i feel really good right now again with only five drafts so far that green is a big mover up that's my takeaway green big mover up second best color in the format and it's an abzan format for me going into tuesday
1: i think also an abzan format for me going into tuesday as well but high hopes for red still so i could see red and white being equal or that that flip-flopping around cool any parting thoughts for the listeners before we go here
0: i left it on the field as always ben i'm uh (laughs) go forth and rectangle my friends if it's if it's me i'm trying pretty hard to be black
1: as my first color like when when given choices I want to be black, and then I'm trying to stay black as long as possible, figure out which of those four black color pairs I want to be. But also, I think be willing to be the other color pairs. I think let rares, let rares push you in directions, build around your rares. Like there's there's a lot of ways to make your own power, especially early on with a lot of the build around bargain, sacrifice bargain cards. I think that people
0: aren't necessarily going to be on too early. I think this format for the first week, maybe two is going to be not to go back to its title and the title of this episode, but I think it's going to be wild. <laughs> I agree. It's going to be wild because like, the decks you're playing against are going to be so
1: juiced because there's so many good cards that are unassuming good cards like that are going to let you leverage draft skill.
0: Well, and if you just happen to be in a pod of people, like if five or six of the people in your pod don't get how good roll tokens are, like you're just going to get an insane deck. Yeah. That's going to, be the case for a few days, I think. So so get get wild and get ready. All right. And on that note, great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to CoolStuffInc.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over there for any and all purchases, please use code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there and more importantly to get 5% off anything you purchase. You can check all of our content out at LordsofAlmitted.com. We've got an updated tier list for Wilds of Eldraine that you can check out there. We've got youtube and we've got twitch links if you want more content in your feeds um, we've got access to our merch over at Tee Public, and of course our whole episode backlog that's all at lordsoflimited.com if you've got any feedback
1: about the show or any questions shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com thanks so much for listening and we'll
0: catch you next week for another episode of lords of limited
1: thanks everybody see you later